0: Welcome to the Parents Place Podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to the Parents Place Podcast. We are excited to have you guys with us today. We have a local guest from a local agency whom we love and adore. So we are so excited. Um, I am happy to introduce Sage Hancock here, and she is from the Maloof Foundation. And if you are local and you live in Cache Valley, you probably are already familiar with Maloof and all that they do. They provide such a service to our community and are involved in a lot of um, fundraising efforts that many of our community members have been a part of. But, I, Sage, I'm going to let you introduce Maloof. And if you want to, you can introduce, for those of you that maybe don't know Maloof, they have the business side to the Maloof um, company, but also the foundation side as well, too. So I'll let you explain a little bit about um, Maloof and what you guys do. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Um, so Maloof, uh, we do a lot of things. We have our hands in a lot, but we focus primarily on bedding and furniture for the home. And so we do that through, we sell through wholesale channels, we sell through channels like Amazon and Wayfair. Um, We really focus on just getting individuals the best sleep products and the best furniture um, through any different channel that we have. And something about us is we are a certified B Corporation, which means that we do prioritize people, product and the planet together. And so what that looks like on our end is we have Malouf Foundation. Maloof Foundation started um, years and years ago back when Maloof started as just a simple way of giving back those basic items to people who need things. Um, so we were giving out sheets and beds, uh, mattresses to domestic violence shelters, to homeless shelters, things like that. And we really became aware of a need. And as years and years progressed of working in this space Uh, we really honed in on a specific mission of confronting child sexual exploitation Um, primarily we focus on online abuse and sex trafficking but we also look at root causes such as child sexual abuse as well as sexual assault Um, so we do that we by focusing on three pillars education healing and advocacy Uh, Something that I like saying, at least internally, is our education resources. We work really hard to make those free and accessible to everybody in the community so they can help take a part in confronting this together. And then healing and advocacy, we really focus on doing individualized care one-on-one for survivors of sex trafficking, of sexual abuse, of any sort of sexual exploitation. Uh, So that can look like renovating a child's room. After they've been abused, it can look like providing a full ride scholarship to a survivor of exploitation. Um, And then in advocacy, it can also look like having children's advocacy centers. Um, We have our first one in Ohio right now, so that's just like a big brief overview of uh, what we do with the foundation and with the company and the two really are so intertwined and we love being in Cache Valley and being able to uh, work in this community together.
0: Oh my goodness! And we are so excited that you are here. <laughs> it is. <so laughs> much. We are so lucky. And for anyone that has ever um, purchased uh, the Maloof products, you know that they're amazing. You gotta get the bedding. You gotta get the match. Oh my goodness, they're so good. They're <laughs> so good. So the business started, and then the foundation followed shortly after. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So it was
1: actually pretty unofficial for a while, and we were just giving away product and in 2016, we formalized as a 501c3. Okay, perfect.
0: And are, I was gonna say, are you located in the same facility, or are there different locations for Foundation versus Business?
1: Um, So, we are located in the same office, uh, right in Cache Valley. It's really great, because we're able to really be involved in, uh, for example, like, graphic designers and the copywriters who work on the business side they also are able to work on the foundation side so it really helps all of us be focused on one common goal together
0: okay and for those listeners out there that um maybe know someone or may be someone that could benefit from like you said the education the healing or the advocacy um how does one get in touch with those services um is there an application process? How does how does that work to be involved in that? Yes, thanks for asking. Um, we try really hard to just streamline everything so anyone can get
1: services uh, as quickly or as easily as they need. So malooffoundation.org is our website that hosts all eight of our programs. Um, and then you can just go through each of the pillars. So education, healing, and advocacy. Um, education-wise, my biggest push, especially for this audience, is On Watch and Raise. OnWatch is a one-hour free training on how to look out for signs of sex trafficking. Um, And then Raise is our app specifically designed for parents, uh, completely free, peer-reviewed by over 50 experts, and teaches you how to not only help nurture your relationship with your child, but also what to do once you um, navigate weird things like inappropriate content, if your could see something online, uh online predators, cyberbullying, things like that. And then on the healing side, there's uh contact forms and there's all of that on the website as well. If there's someone, uh, whether it be you or anyone else that you know that could benefit, those are all done right through the website as well.
0: Okay. And we will make sure that we include all that information in our show notes so that our listeners have the have the links to not only your website, but then also so that they can add um, Access that information. I let you said it was an perfect. app. Is that right? Yes. So Raise is
1: an app as well, um, oh, wow. which is perfect, easy. Joinraise.com. You can learn more, and as well on Joinraise.com, there's an app guide, uh, which has every single social media platform that you can think of, and actually talks about specific warnings for parents, um, as well as things for them to be aware of if their child is using any of those apps.
0: Oh my goodness. Amazing. Okay. I love it. I love it. And correct me if I'm wrong. I am uh, I saw a recent post on social media that you also partner with um, Elizabeth Smart and her foundation as well too. Yes, I'm happy you asked. So that's
1: actually how I joined Malouf Foundation. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to oversee the programs for Malouf Foundation. And how I got involved was I was actually the executive director of the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. And we were uh, running our programs there. And funny enough, our pillars were education, healing, and advocacy. (laughs) And we were really focused on confronting sexual assault and sexual violence in the communities, specifically for women and children. And we had worked with Maloof Foundation for a handful of events. And the more um, Elizabeth and myself and our team worked with just Maloof and their foundation and their team in general, we really just... Felt inspired and we're really excited about the possibility of what it could look like if we were to formalize our working together. And so we officially merged in January of last year. And it has been, it's been great ever since, especially when you look at, you know, Maloof Foundation's mission of confronting child sexual exploitation. The root cause of that so often starts with child sexual abuse mm-hmm. um, prior to that. And so if we can address both of those together. That's something that hopefully we'll be able to just accomplish more and more change and make an impact in this space. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, being in the nonprofit world for many, many years, it's such a breath of fresh air when we have nonprofits come together (laughs) to work towards a common goal rather than competing against each other. Because I think so often we all have a very similar mission, but we kind of stick to our own. And I think we could do a lot of service to our community if we realize, hey, we are working towards the same thing. Why not work together? And so I love that you guys have been able to do that, to be able to bring those two powerhouse foundations together. I and I can only imagine what you guys will do in the future. So and you have a big, correct me if I'm wrong, you have wrong, you have a big event coming up soon, right? We do. April 28th is our annual Maloo Foundation
1: Summit. Um, where we have speakers from all around the country come, survivors, experts, uh, people who are really there to inspire change. And it's really exciting. It's a day event where you learn and you feel a lot of heavy topics, but you also are able to be really motivated um, and feel inspired on what you can do as an individual in your community to make a difference right here. Uh, You can register at melooffoundation.org slash summit. And yeah, you can either go in person down at the Capitol in Salt Lake, we have a few spots left as of me saying this right now, uh, or there's a recording that you can sign up for to get after.
0: Perfect. Now, if unfortunately this podcast airs after the 28th, will you still have that um, recording on your website by chance after, we after the event? We will, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So if you're hearing this at some time in maybe May potentially, I'm not sure when this will be aired, just head to the Maloof website and they should have that there. So um that is fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the topic as yeah, sure. um as that's I think what we want to focus on today. So it, I, I think you and I again have very similar causes in our mission of protecting children and educating our community. So let's talk about um sexual violence and sexual abuse as a, as a whole? Um, first, statistically speaking, I know that that we've heard a lot of statistics and sometimes it seems like we're getting better at preventing it and sometimes it seems like we're, we're not making any stride. What, what do you tend to find statistically speaking? Where are we at when it comes to reporting, um, prevention? What does it look like for us?
1: That is such a good question and I actually have very conflicting feelings about that because something that I know without a doubt is that sexual abuse and sexual assault, they are underreported to an extreme Mm -hmm. degree. So the more that we open up about it, the more that we talk about it, the more that we try and normalize these conversations and have words like sexual abuse not be maybe cringed at a little bit or not be turned away from, um, we're going to continue having that problem of underreporting. And so when I see numbers that are higher, I don't think to myself, oh my goodness, the world is getting worse. Um, we're having more and more cases. I think to myself that while that most likely is true, especially due to the increase of online exploitation, mm-hmm. I also think mm-hmm. that underreporting um, underreporting has happened so, so often. And I'm hoping that more children and more individuals are able to feel safe In reporting those. So I think we're both in line with one in five children uh, Mm -hmm. in the United States before they turn 18 will be sexually abused. And Utah, we're the third highest state. Uh, Our numbers are higher than that. And we are closer to one in four. And so that's something that I hope that we can bring down and I hope that we can normalize uh, talking about this so kids feel safe and so kids understand, especially what's maybe happening to them and they. for example, a great organization, Sapria, another great organization, mm-hmm. Prevent Child Abuse Utah. Malouf Foundation is part of a coalition on um, fighting this here in Utah. And if we can just help kids understand a little bit more so they aren't feel empowered to report it, uh, the numbers might sting a little bit, but yeah. each child getting the help and care they deserve is so much more important than that.
0: Yeah. I So... Um... So we teach an in-school abuse prevention program to our elementary students here. And we actually use Prevent Child Abuse Utah's um, elementary school program to do that. And so I've had the chance to, to teach that for years and years. And I remember a specific uh, student that I taught who disclosed that he was being sexually abused by someone that he knew quite well. And um, when I asked him uh, after, the, after the situation, um, if he had ever told anybody about it, he said, I never had, because I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening to me was not okay. And it was such an eye-opening experience to remind me that that there may be a lot of, of children, a lot of youth that are experiencing um, abuse. And they may not know that what's happening to them is not normal and is not okay. And so I I love that, that you say, you know, we, we want to spread the word and we want to educate and let individuals know that, that this is a problem and that as a community, we can watch for those warning signs and we can take the steps that we need in order to ensure the safety of each other. And because as adults working with youth, it is it's, it should be one of our primary missions in life is to ensure the safety of our community.
1: I completely agree. And especially like the safety of our children. I mean, the way our children are raised today is what our community and what our whole population is going to look like in 20 years. And if we can't change that right now, um, there's going to be generations who don't understand that, you know, one, like you mentioned that it's not okay, but two, like how to have these open conversations so that hopefully this generation of kids can teach their generation of
0: kids. So do you feel like we're getting better at talking about it?
1: Uh, Maybe it's just because I'm in this space, but (laughs) I think so. I really think that we're getting a little bit better. I think that we're able to have these conversations. Um, I I feel like a few years ago, I never would have been able to public speak in uh say rape without people maybe cringing a little bit or um and I think that still happens but I think that we're normalizing a lot of this in a way that we're talking this is a big deal this is something that we need to address and it's something that we need to all be okay with not being okay with
0: Mm -mm. you know it's something
1: that we need to be comfortable enough to talk about it so we can actually try and fight it together
0: Mm -mm. And, you know, we've we've had multiple podcasts in the past about uh, the idea that this conversation doesn't just have to happen once. I mean, this is an ongoing yes. dialogue that we have uh, between, uh, you know, parent and child, uh, you know, as a community as a whole. It's not necessarily something that we can say, all right, we're going to talk about this once and then we're going to wrap it up and call it good for the rest of our lives. This needs to be a constant conversation so that we can remind and we can educate and we can provide more insight and guidance when needs be so I'm glad we're, we're getting better I completely <laughs> agree yes well
1: and especially like it has to be constant as the world keeps changing too yes you know like things like OnlyFans and tiktok and certain dating apps those weren't around when I was younger and mm-hmm. when I first had dating apps in college like My parents didn't understand the dangers of those, and now I look at the dangers of those with traffickers, and I understand that that's one of their primary tools um, for getting younger women and younger men to be involved in their trafficking situations. And those are conversations that should continue to happen not only to help create that trust with parents and their children, but also because things keep changing, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like things continue to change, and we need to continue having those conversations as the world changes.
0: Yeah. There was a quote floating around on social media, probably still is at this point, but it says something to the extent of, we can't raise our kids the way that we were raised because we, they live in a different world than what we lived in. And they're going to encounter different problems than what we would have ever imagined. So we've got to reevaluate our dating game because it looks different. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just requires that we shift. And shifting is hard for a lot of us (laughs) because we're we we like comfort and we like security and we don't necessarily like to be put out of our comfort zone. But it's it's a need that we have. So speaking in regards of um, maybe educating our community as a whole, what are. As a parent, as a community member, what are some of the the signs, the warnings that we may want to be aware of um, when working with these youth who may potentially be victims? Are there certain signs and symptoms associated with abuse?
1: Yes, um, that's a great question. So I think that there are a few different ways that we can look at it. Uh, The first is any sort of physical signs. I think that's the most obvious, but it's something that I obviously want to bring up first. So bruising. Um, at multiple stages. It's not like they had one little bike crash and they have one nasty bruise on their leg. Uh, You can tell that there's been multiple uh, occurrences that would cause bruises over several weeks. Um, That's a sign of abuse, as well as any sort of like extreme timidness uh, with a child. So if they pull away, if they don't make eye contact, um, if they have any sort of dissociated state if they kind of like zone in and out, um, if they seem extremely tired, uh, which is maybe a little out of the ordinary, if they immediately maybe like recluse into themselves, if they typically were very sociable and friendly and had lots of friends and then they shut themselves out and uh, they immediately like don't hang out with friends anymore and they keep to themselves, those are all signs. and while maybe one sign in and of itself is not like a definitive sign of abuse, looking at all of those signs together can help maybe create a story of just this seems like something is off. And then what I'll always say is if you have a gut feeling about something, Mm -hmm. um, if instinctually you feel like something is wrong, that's not something to ignore. And so if that followed with any sort of other sign or Any sort of maybe red flag in your uh, head—that is definitely a time that I would report that. It's always better safe than sorry.
0: Oh, we talk to our little ones about how it's their uh "uh-oh" feeling. It's that just that feeling that tries to tell you that something is not quite right. And when we feel that feeling, we have it for a reason, so we don't ignore it. We need to listen and respond to it. So, and as you know, it doesn't ever go away as an adult. It's still there. (laughs) So. Oh, yes. And will you remind us, Sage, on the protocol for reporting, particularly um, in Utah, where we are, what is the procedure for doing so if we do happen to suspect that there is abuse happening?
1: Yes. Um, So real quick. If you are in any sort of like child leadership position, so if you are an educator or anything like that, make sure you understand your mandated reporting guidelines because those are different. And in some situations and in some jobs where you do work with children, you may be required to report things um, that seem suspicious. But if there's anything immediate, so if you're observing anything, call 911 immediately. Um, If not, you can call just CPS, uh, for a well-child visit, and you can simply just report a case. If there's something that is an involvement with sex trafficking or suspected mm-hmm. sex trafficking, uh, the best case to go is the National Human Tra- Trafficking Hotline, uh, which is 1-888-373-7888. And okay. then um, another resource to bring up is NCMIC, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They do a lot with online abuse. And so you can help report a case there and you can help. um, They can even help get pictures taken down, things like that.
0: Okay, so helpful. And again, we can include that information in our notes as well, too, for those that are listening that want to make sure they have that as a resource. Now, I'm curious to explore this because you mentioned earlier how oftentimes sexual abuse leads into sex trafficking or sex exploitation. So help us to understand maybe what that process tends to look like.
1: Yes, I'm happy that you asked. Um, So sex traffickers, they have a really good knack for exploiting the vulnerable. Um, For those who have experienced trauma prior Those are the individuals that are often trafficked or exploited um, as teenagers or as adults. And there are some stats as high as 89, 90% of those who are trafficked were first abused as a child. Mm -hmm. So the correlation is really high. Um, But oftentimes it happens uh, because a child was abused most likely by a family member, Mm -hmm. uh, most child child sex abuse cases happen at the hands of someone they know. And because of that, that child who then becomes a teenager or then becomes an adult, they are looking for a safe place. They are looking for someone who can give them everything that they've wanted. They're looking for somewhere that they can finally feel loved in that way that they've just been seeking, that they've been missing. because they've most likely been abused by a parent or by an uncle or by someone they're supposed to trust. Um, traffickers then take advantage of that through boyfriending uh, or grooming scenario where they make them feel loved, they make them feel special, um, they make them feel like they're the most important person in the world, and then they take advantage of that. Um, they take advantage of that either through their own sexual pleasures and their own desires or by utilizing them, uh, and making money by selling them, uh, either to friends, strangers, things like that. But I think that key component in there is they find individuals who are vulnerable, who are seeking
0: that love. Okay. And I know there's probably a lot of um, individuals out there that are thinking, okay, I, I'm not. I'm trying not to be naive, but I recognize that ch- the, the child sex, sexual abuse might happen. But trafficking in in Utah, um, I think there's probably a lot of people that are thinking that that couldn't be happening. I mean, no, those are things that you see on on you know, like our HBO movies or whatnot. And so talk to us maybe about the statistics associated with that.
1: Yes. Um, so like sex abuse, trafficking is very, very under underreported. However, there are still hundreds of cases in Utah each year. Um, And something that I think a lot of people don't understand, which you mentioned, is that they don't see sex trafficking happening here. And it's because it looks different here in the United States. Um, It's not like somebody comes in and kidnaps your child and then sells them on this underground sex market. Um, Oftentimes here in the United States. 40% 40% of it is happening at the hands of a family member. Mm-hmm. And so how we understand that sexual abuse is happening to children, we also understand that parents, aunts and uncles, cousins are using that um, as one step further and they're taking advantage of it and they're making money um, just by unfortunately like, charging, uh, i trying to think of like a nice More professional way to say this, but charging for sex services for underage Mm -hmm. children, and so that's what it looks like often. And then um, runaways, and any sort of individual in like experiencing some sort of homelessness, some sort of instability of housing or resources, uh, that can often be utilized and exploited uh, in exchange for providing things like utilities or rent or things like that. Uh, People will say, hey, you know, like we will pay for your electric bill. We will pay for your housing. We will pay for this if you work for us and if you do this. And so oftentimes those that are being trafficked, they don't know that they're being trafficked. They wouldn't call it that. Um, They simply feel like they have a boyfriend or a friend who they owe. uh, And Mm. they're just trying to help satisfy that.
0: And I'm assuming a lot of the um, signs and symptoms to watch out for with trafficking are probably the same with sexual abuse. You probably see a lot. Or is there any other other warning signs that we would want, want to watch out for? Uh,
1: yeah, so a lot of them are very similar. That is correct. Um, one additional thing to point out is self-harm indicators mm-hmm. that can often uh, mean something as well. And then one other thing, as I mentioned, grooming and boyfriending, Mm -hmm. especially if there are uh, young individuals, teenagers, you know, I would say 12 to 18, uh, who they start getting expensive gifts. They maybe get an extra phone. Um, They start dressing differently by clothes that weren't purchased by their parents. Uh, They start, yeah, wearing jewelry. They start wearing things that may seem like they're being asked to try and look older. Those are all signs to maybe just be a little bit more aware of as well.
0: Okay. yeah I I remember attending a conference um where the facilitator was talking about uh, grooming and the grooming cycle and and what a perpetrator tends to do as part of that process. And I remember um somebody bringing up the fact that um we use that term grooming and sometimes um it almost comes across uh, well i i guess what this individual is saying is is she saying you know what i don't think grooming is a harsh enough term um it's manipulation is what it is is it's it's manipulation at its finest and that. and and that really is that that really yes. is what's happening to these um to these victims is that it's it's um power and manipulation and i think oftentimes these victims don't don't even know like you said
1: it's an emotional hold on them uh and they don't realize what's happening and oftentimes they maybe even feel guilty and they get deep enough into it they don't feel safe talking about it and yeah I I love the maybe change of wording from calling it grooming to calling it manipulation because I agree I agree uh it is manipulation and there's an emotional hold to it.
0: Um, So let's, let's talk a little bit about that online component because, you know, our, our social media, our dating apps, our, our, um, internet sites are not going away anytime soon. (laughs) And if anything, it's going to become a bigger pull in our lives. And so do you have any practical tips as parents, as adults working with youth, on protecting children on an online platform, i I, I have a teen myself, and I feel like it's so hard to stay up to date on on safety and protocols because as soon as some type of um safety blocker is created, there's something else that's created to uh, counteract that. And so what are some what are some tips that you can provide for parents when it comes to online safety?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, The first thing I'll say real quick is RAISE is the app for that that is meant to address it. So please, if you are a parent, download RAISE um, and go through the individual learning uh, modules on that because that will provide so much more information than we'll talk about today. Uh, But the first thing that I would say that I have seen time and time again is, if you completely block out social media, without having any sort of conversation about the dangers of it, um, you're leaving your child exposed to still experiencing it through other avenues, like through friends' phones, through YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. through things like that. Um, Predators have gotten real tricky. They're finding like games, like Words With Friends is an example Mm -hmm. from my old days, but like they're finding games that have those built-in chat apps And there's no way that we can stay on top of all of those. And so if you're a parent that chooses to say no social media, you still need to be having those conversations about the dangers of social media. Um, Just blocking it is not enough. And then once they turn 18, if they don't have those conversations integrated beforehand and if they go out and they buy themselves a phone, they won't know the dangers of social media. They won't know the dangers of dating apps. I can say from a trafficking standpoint, with online enticement, 26% of traffickers um, who are utilizing online enticement to try and get new recruits, as they would call it, uh, use dating apps. 8% Mm -hmm. alone use Facebook and 8% alone use Instagram. And so even understanding the dangers of that and talking with your child, I think, are so important. Um, The second thing I would say is just don't assume that any app is safe because I have seen time and time again, uh, gaming apps, things like that are being utilized. Uh, There's a lot of apps that are undercover to pretend that they're different apps, Um, but then I would just encourage to have really open open conversations. I think that's where everything starts, is if you can have these safe, open, transparent conversations with your child where you show that you're not perfect and you want them uh, to maybe tell you their flaws as well, when they mm-hmm. first experience something especially in a young age online hopefully that you become that person that they turn to to talk to and ask questions about it
0: exactly i was i was just thinking that before you said it it's you know we've all heard that old phrase it's not an if but a when sort of a situation and unfortunately i feel like with with how smart <laughs> I don't want to use the word smart? I'm giving them, I was gonna say I'm putting them on a pedestal, but we'll use that word manipulation manipulation again. With how manipulative these individuals are, it's I, I think it will happen where something is going to come up online. And we want to be that person that our child goes to to say, Hey, mom, somebody said something, or or there was this website that listed this. You know, that that made this comment, or there was this picture here. and and I get it. I get that it may be a little bit embarrassing, but we want to be that person that they go to. and we want to instill confidence in our kids. and we don't want to shun them or cause them to feel embarrassed. Like we want to be that first person that they go to. And so i I I, I just think, keep keep that door open. Keep that door open because if we're not that open door, then they'll find a different open door. And like you said, we're, we're, we don't know what that will be at that point.
1: I completely agree. Like, in my opinion, it's kind of that metaphor of when you feel sick, you drink water. Um, This is the drink water version of it. It's the thing that's said time and time again of like, nurture those parent-child relationships, be that safe and trusted adult for your child. Uh, It seems so obvious, but it's honestly one of those things that it's so simple, but it can have Mm -hmm. the absolute biggest effects uh, now and lifelong. Mm
0: -hmm. We were just having our stepping up for kids yesterday, our big event at the family place, just kind of kicking off child abuse prevention month. And one of the speakers there talked about uh, the protective factors and how one of the biggest protective factors that a child can have is having one adult role model in their life. And that may be a parent, but that may be a neighbor, that may be a coach, that may be a teacher. But having that one individual in their life that they know that they can go to in a time of need, how that helps buffer so many other things that may potentially happen. So you know, we may not be a parent ourselves. We may be uh, an adult working with youth, um, and we can still be that person for those kids out there who who will need us. So, I, I, I we could talk about this for many, many, many <laughs> hours to come, but we won't. Oh, I, <laughs> I can see that our time is kind of um, coming to a close. But Sage, I'd love to hear maybe some final thoughts from you on um, maybe one or two final takeaways, if for our listeners out there, if something that you would want them to hear um, that could essentially help that one child who may be being hurt at this point,
1: oh, what would you yes, just say? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, I think the very first thing that I would say that if I could ask every single person um, in this valley, in this state, in this country to do that I think would make a difference. It would be to dedicate a few hours today, this week, this month, um, right now. Like I'm not going to go later than this month and we're, you know, most of the way through it uh, to get educated on these causes, on these signs, on what to do if you see something. By taking the time to, I mean, even listening to this podcast is an amazing example, but, but just by taking the time to understand the signs of abuse, what you can do, um, that will help so many people. Um, it will help maybe a child that you will see, but it will also help yourself feel empowered um, where you're not living in that dark space of, I don't know what would happen, but I'm hoping that you'll also have those conversations naturally. Um, in the future with additional children, with friends, with family, and you'll be able to pipe up and you'll be able to just continue to spread that wisdom. Um, So getting educated is one of the biggest things that I wish that everybody would do in this cause because it's heavy and it's dark, but it's so, so important. Uh, The second thing that I would focus on is actually just understanding child sexual abuse is not something that does not happen in your neighborhood it is something that happens everywhere it's something that happens in the wealthiest of areas it's something that happens in the poorest of areas it happens in every state in every country um so does trafficking but so much of the root cause of trafficking starts with child sexual abuse and if we can understand that if we can all be committed to not living in this world where we pretend it doesn't happen we'll be able to address it we'll be able to confront it and we'll be able to help a lot of children who are living in the dark and who are experiencing this type of trauma that they either know is wrong and they don't have someone to tell or they don't understand what's happening to them but they feel uncomfortable and they don't know where to put those emotions they don't know where to where to turn to and so those are the two things that I would I would love to just like Put on a pedestal and beg people to do
0: oh my goodness um sage thank you for for coming here and giving us the opportunity to talk to talk about this to to open up this conversation to bring up these important points and for our community to know that that we as individuals we as a village have a role in preventing and, and interrupting child sexual abuse and child um and exploitation. So thank you for giving us, thank you for, for being on this platform to allow us to have this conversation. And hopefully this conversation will spark many other conversations to come um, in your home for those listeners out there. Hopefully this is this is the starting point for you to say, you know what? We have got to start talking we've got to start talking together as a family um it's there's power in words and we need to do more of it so thank you for being here um thank you for your for your words of encouragement thank you for your powerful message that you shared um, as i said earlier we were we will include the resources that sage has mentioned in our show notes so that you can refer to that we're so grateful for the maloof foundation for all that you do Um, both for our valley, but for for our nation, (laughs) because clearly you are reaching a broader population than just Utah. And we're so grateful for that. So for our listeners out there, thank you guys for being here. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments that you may have. And just remember to be kind to one another. And we will see you next week. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at at parentsatthefamilyplaceutah.org or you can reach Jen on Facebook, jendayling-thefamilyplace. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.